My name is Julian, and this is the Sales Fix Podcast. It's you, the salespeople across the world that make the world a better place. You've brought down prices, you've increased quality, you've caused the guarantee, the warranty, the return policy, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Discussions, interviews, sales quick tips. Everything to sharpen the saw and make you a better salesperson. Hey, it's the Sales Fix Podcast. Welcome to uh, an episode, what we call the discussion format. Um, I'm here with uh, two Steves, so I will refer to them as last name only from uh, this point forward to avoid massive confusion. Uh, producer Steve Corda, fellow sales professional Stephen Davis, who uh, I've worked with on a number of occasions um, and involved in a number of projects together. So uh, Davis, Corda, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you guys on. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yep. Good to be here, Julian. So I thought we could kick off with just the fundamentals. This is probably the, the first episode that we're going to publish here. And I, I thought we could kick off with uh, the fundamental mindset of sales, because I know we've all had conversations on this subject in the past. Um, and what I mean by the fundamentals of sales is there's just this sort of constant stigma that goes with salespeople. If you If you ask the average person on the street, give me 10 words that you associate with salespeople. It's not going to be words like helpful solution provider, you know, brings value. It's going to be stuff like arrogant, pushy, annoying, you know, all the, all those things. And I thought we could just sort of start by challenging that a little bit. Uh, Davis, I you know, if you want to give your perspective a little bit on, on, on how you've run into that, we can kind of run from there. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we were talking prior to the call today about um, just getting in the right headspace for a salesperson, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter what you're selling. If you've got a solution that you can bring to the buyer solving their problem, you're going to be someone that ultimately helps them uh, fulfill their business purposes or, or helps them move faster, quicker, stronger, whatever it is. And, uh, I think it, it begins with the salesperson knowing that they bring value to the conversation. And, and then when it comes down to going about prospecting, um, having that mindset of, of being that solution provider is, is critical to just getting off on the right foot and actually having a productive day, week, if you will. Yeah, I think you get a lot of challenge. I think there's a lot of challenges around how salespeople are viewed from an ethical perspective, right? So it's it's that we're all out to make a commission that we'll sell yeah. some some we'll sell anybody anything that they don't need in order to make a commission. And I heard I heard a great couple of thoughts um, last week. Somebody somebody threw out both of these thoughts at an event that I was at, and I thought it was a really kind of cool take on it. And he started by showing a slide that said it's unethical to sell some. Uh, someone something that they do not need, right? So it is unethical to sell somebody something that they do not need. But then, then he quickly said, but if that is true, what is also true is that it is also unethical to not sell something to someone when they do need it. If you see that they need the product, it is, it is unethical to not continue to, you know, to try to attempt or, or, or get them to see the value in that and buy it. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective, right? It was like, if you, if you were a doctor and somebody came into your office and you know they had 30 days to live if they didn't buy this particular, you know, medicine or whatever. Would you be like, oh, well, I'm going to let them think about it. I'm going to let them continue. You got 30 days. You don't, dude. You don't have time. Like you would be compulsive to push them further on that. And I thought that was a really the second part of that that it's unethical to not sell something someone that they don't need that they do need. Excuse me, right? So let me rephrase that. Nucky. It is unethical to not sell someone uh, something that they do need. I thought that was a really cool like, yeah. second second thought yeah. to that to that concept. Well, and you're getting right at my, I took sort of a 
different route to sales. It's a little circuitous route, but it was sales all the time. And you were the one who recognized that. But um, I was I would I was teaching English and I was coaching football among other sports. And at night, some of these, you know, these guys were hanging on every word because they really wanted the the football knowledge that I had, what little football knowledge I have. <laughs> but in the classroom, I know they really needed the English, the literature, the, the ability to write and express an idea and form a thought. I knew they needed that. So I couldn't, um, that, that was my best sales training ever was day after day. How do you make that? How do you sell somebody on the idea that this is, you know, it's that idea of, you know, I would have been uh, negligent in my, in my job. I would have been negligent as a citizen if I weren't, if I weren't forcing this, you know, quote unquote, forcing this subject on people. So you have to find ways to, uh, to sort of cajole, to uh, negotiate, to make things interesting, find you know that aren't interesting on the face of them, yep. to to share the value of, and I, you can tell I talk like an English teacher. It takes me an hour to get to my point, but it's uh, <laughs> it takes uh, you know the the idea that hey, there's an inherent value in this, and I need to make you see that, and if I don't make you see it, then we're both going to fail. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, and, that's and, a, go ahead, Davis. I was going to say that's a really interesting point and maybe even a good segue. Like um, I need to convince you to buy this as one sales method versus uh, I need to see if there's even fit. And how do you, how do you get your, your, as a salesperson, how do you get your mind in the right space uh, for that approach? You know, as a consultant, what, what are some of the things that you do, Julian, to try and get people to go in that direction? Yeah. So the first thing is you cannot accept the premise that you're a leper. You cannot, you you have to, you have to go a step beyond or a step behind, but prior to, I think the, the initial just does my product have value? Does my client need my product? The first mindset that you've got to create is the profession of sales in itself is not inherent. It's not an inherent bad thing because I think that it's easy to say, ah, oh, salespeople, you know, you're, you, you guys are always bothering people. You know what? If I want something, I'll just buy it. Really? Right. You're going to find yeah. a solution if you just want it. Well, but science and, and history shows us that is not the case or how many things go up on Shark Tank that all of a sudden they sell four million units because people found out about it and they, they knew they needed it. They knew they had some kind of pain to it, but they weren't searching for the solution because the, the solution was right. So the first piece you have to accept is that the role of outreach of seeking out people that have a problem so that you can offer those people that do have a problem a solution, you have to first and foremost accept that that is not a bad thing. That's actually a very, very noble thing, right? The old gag is sales is the oldest profession in the world. Some people think that it's something else, but that's just a subset of sales, right? So, but but selling stuff is, everything is sales it, and nothing moves. If you look at the economy and and any product that you're looking at, I'm, I'm sitting at a desk, I'm, I'm sitting on a chair at a desk. And if I look at both of those products, there isn't an aspect of those products that was not touched by salespeople. The reason I can afford this desk is because uh, salespeople pushed down the manufacturing costs, came up with better solutions, ways to manufacture, assemble, ship. All of those elements all got touched by salespeople. If it wasn't for salespeople, we'd still be lighting ourselves by candlelight. Right. So, so I first and foremost, I think you have to accept that premise, and then you have to go into the okay. Now, what kind of salesperson do I want to be? Do I want to be somebody that's professional and does it well and seeks to help people? But first and foremost, the first baseline thing is it is not a bad thing to reach out to people. And, and I'll throw one last thought at this because I think – but before I hand it back over here because I think where this comes from is our moms, right? Our moms all gave us scripts when we were growing up. Our moms all taught us 
pretty most most of us pretty a series of rules that, and and one of the rules was don't talk to strangers well that goes out the window the second you decide to work in sales <laughs> you're not going to be able to apply that rule right so don't bother people don't talk to strangers i'm still being told that rule on a regular basis when my wife and i are on an elevator and i strike up a conversation and get a group therapy going on the elevator of like 14 people and she's like we were just going 30 floors. Can you, you couldn't just leave it alone. Right? But, <laughs> but, but, but even outside of that, I think the baseline script is, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't bother people, don't call up people. And I think you can still follow the spirit of that rule, which is don't bother people with your agenda. People have their own agenda. You can still follow the spirit of that rule and be in sales, but you can't be in sales and not talk to strangers. That doesn't work. Yeah, you know, and I think we'll, we'll get to this in future conversations, but the, I'm not bothering people um, a salesperson fundamentally is you're interrupting somebody whenever you r reach out, whether that's reaching out with a phone call an email or even walking in. Um, and then it's, it's that balance though of, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to bother you, right? I've got to provide value with a, a conversation and, and during the scope of that conversation, if there's interest, then we can extend that to see if there's any sort of solution or need that we've got. Um, but I'm reaching out because you potentially have a problem that I can solve. And I think this is a really good opportunity based off of X, Y, and Z. And if, if a salesperson can go into each and every phone call or each and every conversation with that in mind, like you potentially have a problem or you potentially have an issue that I can solve with this product or, or, or service, then let's go explore that. And, and back to it being a noble cause, I'm reaching out because I can help you. And if I versus I'm reaching out because I'm going to sell you something big, huge mindset difference and a big, huge, yeah. um, you know, uh, leverage point for salesperson to back to what you said about, is this a, a professional, um, type of, type of approach? Is that the salesperson that I want to be, or do I want to fall into uh, the bucket of being that, that, that pushy salesperson that's just out for me? Yeah. And, and, you know, and this is where I think education actually sets up people incorrectly on this stuff because there's no sales curriculum in most business schools, yeah. right? I mean, every company in the world has a sales department. Right? Or at least somebody doing sales. It's like the one job that you can find at absolutely any company. There's, there's somebody <laughs> yeah. selling something, right? And and yet, I, I know about you guys, I have yet to ever see a curriculum, uh, which is great for me because it provides me a living trying to fill that gap, right? But I've ever yeah, yet I to see I wouldn't complain too loudly about that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I, I mean, again, I mean, there are business programs, uh, master's in business administration. I had a friend of mine who recently graduated, went, went back and got an MBA in his 40s. And he was walking me through kind of what his curriculum was over the time period that he was in. And there was nothing on sales. There's the sales euphemism, marketing, right? Salespeople who are in denial about the fact that they're salespeople. But there wasn't yeah. anything purely, you know, a, a real academic approach to understanding sales, to understanding that, that human interaction and how you create that human interaction. It just doesn't exist. And as you know, I, uh, I was a judge for one of the, it was a pitch contest for our local, there's actually an entrepreneur program entrepreneurship program at one of the at the local college here yep and what i kept telling all the every team after team was i said tell me in a sentence what your product or service does yep and i'm somebody who i i mean i'm i'm in sales but i also i also work with vendors and if a vendor calls me up and has a solution to a problem that's bothering me they're not bothering me they're solving my problem yeah I mean, it's, it's so that first the first step is you got to get in your mindset that I have a solution. It may not be for this person, you know, and that that goes for everybody that goes when you're calling up, you know, that guy or that girl for the first date. You know, there's they're single. They may have a, a they may have a relationship problem that you can solve if you're going in for an audition. Sure, there's 200 other people doing that. You may be exactly the solution that they need. 
And if you go in with the mindset that, hey, I bring, and you know what you bring to the table, and you can, you can get right to it quickly in a conversation. And that's 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 the training that's missing is the ability to have a a focused sales conversation that gets to a point. Right. Not being what my old sales manager used to call, don't be a professional visitor. Yeah. You know, be somebody who shows up and says, here's what I have to offer. Is this and and kind of, you know, then you then you find out a little bit more about, you know, you don't you don't throw all your offerings on the floor first thing, you know, as they say, don't spill your candy in the lobby, but go in and give them a little taste of what you have to offer, find out where you can help and you might have a match or you might find out you don't have a match. And now you've made a great impression on somebody when they do need that service or that solution, they'll remember you. Yeah. Just to give proper credit where credit is due, don't spill your candy in the lobby is a, uh, is actually one of the Sandler rules from the Sandler sales system. Um, That's just and, something and, I always do. Yeah, yeah, no, no, many, many, many of us use it and have no idea where it came from. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but and it's it's a, it's a great concept as as are all the other ones as well. But it, it's it's yeah, again, it's 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 framed or anchored on the idea that the initial conversation shouldn't be about our agenda. It should be about their agenda, right? People care. We're all narcissistic in our own way. We've got you know we're priority number one. We're all number one in our own priority list, right? So so you know with the possible exception of Mother Teresa, but the rest of us we're all number one on our priority list. And and you got to talk. I'm number about one through ten in mine. You're what? Sorry, Corda. I'm number one through ten on my priority. One through ten different. Is that because you have ten personalities, or there's just ten different priorities that you're working on? It's it's all me, baby. I got it. Got it. <laughs> so so on that note, Davis, have you um. Do you have you do you have a memory or do you have a sense of when that coin dropped for you as a sales professional? Somebody's been in sales and now managing and training other salespeople. I mean, what kind of rejections did you go through that caused you at some point to go, okay, you know, there's there's got to be a better way than just to walk in and throw up information about my product. Yeah, you know, I it's interesting that you say that. I was I was trying to think through a couple of examples and um, you know, for me, maybe in, in one of my first sales jobs. Um, you know, helping to, you know, create a product out of nothing, going in and having conversations with prospects. I want to talk all about the product. Hey, this is, this is what it is. This is why we built it. This is how cool it is. This is how, um, you know, we're, we're, we're helping, you know, this consumer and that consumer. Uh, and it was all about the what there, there was nothing about the why, you know, and, and, you know, I wasn't starting my, my, um, outreach and my approach and my conversations with, the prospect that I was talking to, uh, they granted me some time for whatever reason. And I went in there and just told them everything about the product, but didn't have a conversation of any sort of reason why that prospect needed it. Um, and I remember at one point in time, somebody saying, Hey, you know, this is, this is interesting, but man, I just, I just need to be sold on this a little bit more. And I remember losing that opportunity because I was focusing on, okay, this is a back on the features and the benefits of the product and the price, not, what is it that that business is particularly what opportunity does that business particularly have right and in, in this case here it was a um you know a, a cause based marketing type of of product um for um for small businesses and this is someone that um i come to find out later um was involved with a lot of the community but you know having a difficult time um juggling everything and and saying yes to some people and no to other people when it when it comes down to sponsorship and support um and had i really focused in on that 
I had a solution that could have saved him time, saved him a little consternation with his consumers and ultimately positioned him as a stronger, um, stronger player in the, in the local marketplace. Um, and that was probably my aha moment, you know, talking to um, some of my, my mentors and managers around the time and realizing, okay, there's a different approach. And if I can go in back to what we've just been talking about of being a problem solver and figuring out, you know, what opportunities do we have to move a conversation forward or potentially not? If there's no solution, I don't need to sell anybody anything. It's just not a fit. And I need to go find the folks that, that have a need. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Davis, how did yeah. you find out? How did you find out that that was the that that was the sticking point? That was the pain point that you should have gone after. Uh, I, I ended up having a conversation with the, the business a year later. Right. Okay. Um, and so opportunity for me to learn in, in that year of, of what worked, what didn't work, but ultimately how to start having better conversations and, uh, you know, won the business at that point. But I should have been able to do it a whole lot earlier. And then, and then how did you implement it once you learned that? How, how did um, you make sure you brought that out sooner? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was a fundamental change to, to my process, my sales process in, in terms of how I would reach out to a prospect or ultimately have uh, conversations is um, to turn it around and focus on them and start with them uh, and figure out, OK, is there a baseline for a conversation that I can have? We'll talk about different sales processes, but, you know, I, I'm a, a big fan of, of uh, the challenger sale uh, and teaching to differentiate what a product is and ultimately leading to that as a point to get the consumer to think, wow, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've been in traditional sales training, you're, you're told to ask a bunch of questions and, and really um, build rapport and, and to build strength on discovery. And the problem that I've got with that is for most uh, most conversations, especially early on, if, if I start drilling a prospect with just a bunch of questions, they get bored. And most salespeople ask the wrong type of questions. You know, how uh, you know how long have you been in business? What's your favorite thing on the menu? Um, you know, why did you pick this location? Stuff that has absolutely no bearing to a conversation. So, um, what I found is that most of the folks that I I was talking to, they didn't want to engage in those conversations. And so, if if that was the case, then I had to go straight into my product and say, okay, well. Well, here's here's all the cool things about this trinket or that trinket versus still finding a way to discover um, if there's any sort of product or need, problem or need, excuse me. So I think I just talked in circles about that. I'm not sure I made any sense whatsoever, but no, uh, I, I, it's the well, best I could do. No, it, it all ties into sales process. I mean, it all ties into having a process versus just winging it, right? I think that's yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, if you push everything aside, the, the the you know you could sum up all of sales training with just essentially the the, the one concept of don't walk in here winging it no surgeon going yeah. surgery going you know what mr corder we're not sure what we're going to work on today we're just going to cut you open root around in there for a while when we see something we don't like we'll take it out i mean you'd freak out well, at any other surgery in montana too then okay. <laughs> yeah but they're kind of scary i imagine right so so i think i think you you hit on a, a solid point um i you know for me i had i had an um uh, you know, I had a couple of situations and, and one of them comes to mind where, where it's just a reminder that we don't ask. Right. We don't we, we ask questions, like you said, but we're not really asking around the right things. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I had um, I had this company that I went to work for. We sold a variety of industrial supply products to manufacturers. And uh, I was torn around, you know, been there for a week and I come in the second week and the boss is like, all right, here's your activity. You got to go out, and make these number of calls, you know. And it wasn't really develop new business. It was mostly just expand existing accounts and do a little bit cold calling. Twenty percent new accounts, eighty percent just maintaining existing accounts. So it was a by by standards today, I would what I would consider a relatively easy sales job. And they we had hand soap. We had this 
industrial hand soap that had some stuff in it that helps clean your hands when you've been working on engines and stuff. And so the boss says, hey, you know, the second week, go out, make some calls. Here's your call agenda this week. The industrial hand soap is on sale and the commission is double if you sell it. Right. So it's like, all right, less money from the client, more money for me. Right. So I'm like, I'm pretty excited. First sales call, I walk in and I start pitching, pitching the hand soap hard. Right. Because I back then I didn't have a process. I you you know, I walked in. We were talking about me. I'm here. Yeah. Welcome to my favorite subject. It's going to be about me. So I start right. pitching it's the hand mean. soap. <laughs> I got this great hand soap for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't have any hands. Doesn't matter. It's awesome. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> right. And, and uh, the first guy I pitch it to starts, his, his eyes go up and he goes, oh, mother of God. And I'm like, what? And he's like, every year, this time of year, you guys come in and start pitching me this hand soap. What is it about the hand soap? You know? And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I, I'm brand new. I've been there a week. And so he's like, yeah, it's every year, this time of year, you guys come around and it's you're, everything you can to, to sell me the, like a case of this hand soap. It's like, I don't get it. And so I'm brand new. I don't know better. So I said, well, they doubled commission on it, right? So the reason I'm pitching it to you is because they told us this morning it was double commissions. And so it's a compelling goes, sales pitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he goes, he goes, well, all right, let me ask you this. If I buy a box of this hand soap from me, how much do you make on commissions? So I'm doing the math and I'm like, eh, 25 bucks, right? It would have been 12. Now it's 25 because it's double commissions. He goes, I'll tell you what, can I just give you the 25 bucks and not buy the hand soap? And so at this point, even my in my untrained sales brain, there's like a massive foot on the brake. And I go, what? You're willing to pay me to not buy my product? Like, okay, this is broken as broken gets, right? There's no well, way. What other products do I have that you would like to not buy? <laughs> exactly. But it literally took that big of a thump on the head for me to get that. And uh, And then here's the really funny part of this story is that – that was my approach on every other sales call that week. I walked into all my regulars and said, hey, you know, I'm your new rep, Julian. Nice to meet you. Listen, there's double commission on hand soap this week. And so I got to ask you if you want any hand soap. Just tell me you don't. And then, you know, we'll move on and we can talk about what you need. And most of them had, you know, the first client had taught me, right, that I'm not walking in again and trying to pitch hand soap because you're going to laugh me out of the building. And so I walked in with, you know, just like, listen, I got to pitch it to you because my boss is going to ask you if I brought it up, right? So you want hand soap? I get double commission and you get 20% off. You just say no and then we can talk about what you want to talk about. And what's really funny about that is I got a lot of very positive response. I think I won a lot of trust with a lot of my clients very quickly. But the other piece is I actually ended up selling quite a bit of hand soap because we talked about their agenda. And then when they got to the bottom of it, we'd, we were wrapping up and they'd say, you really get double commission on hand soaps? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know why they push it this time of year. And the guy like, yeah, well, you know what? I'll take a case. A lot of them at that point were willing to help me out and buy and buy the soap that they, it's not that they weren't necessarily going to need it. They just didn't want it shoved down their throat. It wasn't a priority, right? But, um, and then of course the best, the best part of that is that the Friday meeting was like, well, Julian's brand new and he's second on the board in hand soap. Why can't you guys be more like him? And I was thinking, you don't want to walk in saying what I'm saying because you'll get yourself <laughs> fired if I, you know, hey, Julian, what are you doing? I don't know. You know, I had to say, I don't know because I wasn't going to say, well, I'm throwing you under the bus, boss. You and the company, I'm throwing you guys under the bus and the clients think it's funny and they buy hand soap anyway. Right. So um, yeah, that's a good title for a memoir, though. Second in hand soap. Second in hand soap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Second in hand soap. Second and hand soap sales or just leave it at second and hand soap? Period. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's a classic example. I mean, when, when you are, you know, I'm in a situation literally where a client says, I will pay you to not buy from you. And you just have to go, okay, so 
what's what's been and what's broken is that company didn't do any sales training. I mean, I didn't last long there, and part of the reason I didn't last long is because I wasn't growing. I wasn't getting any better because the, I was a product expert. I was getting smarter and smarter about the products that I sold, but I wasn't getting any knowledge on how to sell them. Right? I was well, and I I think that's a fundamental issue when it comes down to sales training because that's that's usually what it it's meant to be. All right, here's here's the product, here are the features, here are the benefits, not focusing on a conversation that builds value and how do you then later use the product's features benefits to help right. get the deal done versus going in with that. Right. And if you take that out of sales and you take it to, and there's, I mean, you both know me, you know, you both know there's no way I wasn't going to this analogy at some point. Right? If you take it to a dating analogy, can you imagine walking up being single and walking up to a single girl in the bar and saying, Hey, so, um, this is my birthday. This is the year I moved here, right? This is how much money I make. This is the type of car I drive. You're just going to talk features and benefits the whole time and not involve her in the conversation. How's that going to go, right? So, yeah. and, and we don't translate that over to sales, right? We all have that innate skill to understand that's not the right path to go. But for some reason, somebody hands us a business card and a product manual, and we just throw all that knowledge out the window, and we turn into walking brochures. Back to salespeople are pushy. Salespeople are, are aggressive. They're all about them. Yeah. 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 You you just, that's the, you're just going for that commission and it's very clear. Like, why do I want to give you that commission? When, if you said, if there'd been a conversation about, Hey, here's what I can do for you. Then at the end of the conversation, there's a conversation about, Hey, how can I help exactly the conversation you had? Yeah. How can I help you make your commission? Right. Based on this relationship we've established. Right. Right. But, but their needs first, right? You got to take care of their needs first in sales. And, and, and again, and I think that's what creates this sort of hostility, but there's an opportunity there. And the opportunity is to sound different. I mean, cause it's Pareto's law, 20% of salespeople get 80% of results. And there's an opportunity there to be that one salesperson that walks in that's different than all the others, because they're not just talking about themselves and their product, right? So whenever anything's done wrong, a vast majority of the time, there's a huge opportunity in being even just slightly better than that and standing out from the crowd. And I, and, and that's what, you know, I love about the, the right methodology in sales, you know, the, 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 the client centric, you know, not sales centric, but the client centric way of, of selling, which ultimately is more efficient. So, so bring it, bring it back to mindset because that's what you started this at. How, how do you as a salesperson or how do you teach or what's your approach to teach salesperson then to, use mindset to change their change their way or change their process. So to me it's shifting the t- the mindset is I'm going to shift the debate, the source of debate away from the product and to the fit. And here's what I mean by that, right? So if I'm doing sales correctly, I'm always reinforcing and basing everything on the mindset that the valid the validity or quality of my product is not under debate. I've got a great product that works fantastic. That's not a question. It's not a question I'm open for debate on. Yeah. What I'm here to find out is if you have a need for that product and it's potentially a fit for you. And by shifting the debate over to the product, rejection is impersonal, right? So again, you switch it to a dating analogy. You walk up and ask somebody out and they say, I'm married. Well, the rejection's not about you. It's about the fit. There's a lack of fit. They're married. They're not interested in dating, right? So it's completely imper- – even the rejection is easier to handle if you understand that it's a question of fit. If you're getting rejected all the time and you're going, man, this product must be really bad or I must be a really bad salesperson. That's when you get, you know, the fatigue and the burnout that salespeople get and, and the negative talk cycles that start happening in people's brains. But the, the baseline mindset is the only subject open for debate is whether my product is a fit for your obstacles, challenges, issues that you're having. That's it. 
There's nothing else. There's nothing else on the table that we're trying to discover. That's the purpose of the call, the meeting, the interaction is to see if there's a potential fit. That's it. So I think that's the and then and then the flip side of that is that if if you're going with that baseline, that rejection that you do get back to what you just said, it's not about you. It's about a fit, mm-hmm. and therefore it's a whole lot easier to work through all the no's that you have to get to in order to find that conversation that's worthwhile because you're the the no's along the way. They're not turning you down. If you're doing it right, it's just a wrong fit and you're happy because you realize that as a salesperson and you can be really selfish with your time and go move on to that prospect that there yeah. is a potential need. Understand there's another that not a right fit with three more words at it at this time, right? Just at this it's time, not a right yeah. fit now doesn't mean it won't ever be a right fit, but at this time it's not a right fit, right? Yeah. And there's a sale to be made every morning between the time your feet hit the floor and you make that first call or you knock on that first door and you have got to sell yourself on the idea that this is a worthwhile product, product, this is a worthwhile use of your time, this is not personal. You have to really, that's, you have to remind, I think that's almost like a daily reminder process. Right. Because this is, this isn't even batting, you know, 400, 300 and going to the Hall of Fame. This is batting, you know, 0.050 and going to the Hall of Fame. There's so much rejection to get through. Right. And you just have to be able to, you cannot, you cannot um, sabotage yourself by by having a by rejecting yourself. The first thing in the morning, you got to be going out there thinking this is a worthwhile pro- product. This is a worthwhile use of my time. I've got a solution. If not for this person, then then for the next. And and that and and Corda, what I would accentuate off of that is even before yourself, it's the baseline of the sales profession that you have to accept as valid. Right. And, and, and it doesn't happen to me much anymore. But I, I remember in, in my early days, my early career, when I would tell people I was in sales. Uh, and for strange reason, when I sold for a newspaper, when people say, what do you do for a living? I wouldn't say I work for a newspaper. I'd say I work in sales. I don't know why, but that's that's what I would do. And I very often I would get, you know, you get that sort of that cocktail party, sad look and they look at you and go, oh, and, and the subtext, the subtext is, what did you really want to do before you had to, yeah. you know, before you had to sell out and go go into sales? And and now if that were to happen today, I would laugh to myself and I would say to that guy, dude, from the cell phone in your pocket to the Wi-Fi signal you use to connect to the internet to the clothes that you're wearing to the watch on your wrist, if it wasn't for salespeople, none of that would have happened, right? None of that would have happened because we're the ones that keep everything moving forward. People are not naturally inclined to buy. Buying is a risk-taking change. Right? When you're buying something, you're opting to change your current status quo in one way or another. And human beings are, we like safe zones. We like our comfort zones. We're not psychologically designed with the default setting of being risk takers. And, and, and salespeople are people who help other people get over that risk taking piece to be able to like, you know, find a fit. So we move everything forward. So I, I completely agree with what you said, Corda, but what I tag on to it is even before the oh. conviction of my product, I have to have the conviction that my profession, which is the outreach seeking of pain to solve it. And if I did it, if I did it as a nurse or a doctor, people would would compliment me for it up and down. Oh, you run around looking for people that are hurt to help them? Fantastic, right? But in the sales context, people don't see it that way. And you have to see it that way. You have to have that intrinsic belief or you will not last. You were simply too painful on the rejection side for you. That's what I was just going to hit on. Like if, If you can't accept that fact that that you're out there to solve problems. And if you can't unequivocally stand behind behind your product, knowing that you're not gonna debate um, the usefulness or the need or the power of your product uh, in the marketplace, 
Uh, if you can't stand behind both of those statements, it's just a wrong fit. Yep. You're either in the wrong career or you're working for the wrong company. And that's yep. okay. I mean, it's really important to recognize that, especially early on and go find something that makes sense. Absolutely. And listen, and, and it's also not a value judgment on you. I don't, I, I don't look down. Okay. Occasionally I look down on people who can't sell, but that's really more in humor, right? And re realistically, yeah. there's a lot of people out there who can do stuff that I can't do. Computer programmers have the ability to look at things and see things that I, I, I can't. I mean, those lines of code on the screen don't mean anything to me. And you probably would have to spend a really long time to teach me to be mildly competent at it, where some people are excellent at it. It's not a value judgment, whether you want to do that or not. I always joke that it takes a particular mental disorder to be good at sales and to enjoy it. Right? You have to have that that switch that's slightly off where, where you like helping people find pain. And that's another script, by the way, that our moms gave us and told us yeah. not to do that conflicts with sales. That's the second one, which is don't talk about things that are painful. right? So I, I yeah. remember going to a barbecue when I was growing up and my uncle had wrecked his motorcycle like, you know, uh, or it wasn't an uncle, it was actually a, a cousin a couple times removed, but we called him uncle something and and he had wrecked his motorcycle two weeks before and on the way into the party my mom was like do me a favor don't be julian when we get into this party okay? <laughs> don't go gee uncle claude that scar on your face looks horrible like why weren't you wearing a helmet is that going to be there forever can you still see out of that eye like don't don't bring up and yet as salespeople, what are we doing we're walking in going gee that's messed up have you seen this problem is going on what are you doing that we're putting people in pain not for pain that doesn't exist but we're making them aware of things that they could improve so that we can put our solution as a methodology to get to that improvement and so that's another script that our parents or our moms gave us that that does not work in sales it completely destroys you and our, our safe instinct is to run back and have polite conversation and not talk about things that are controversial right? talk around it talk yeah. around it versus you put me on an elevator with 20 people i'm going to start talking politics right because i just I, <laughs> I thrive on that on that debate and on that back and forth I, I love it i enjoy it so you call me a rabble rouser if you want but the reality is that's that's an element that you need to have to be successful in sales in terms of a mindset because if you're going to be polite or you're going to try to be liked i don't know who said it but somebody said sales is a horrible career or horrible career choice if you're looking for self-affirmation Right. It's just it's not a place to make friends. It's you're you're not supposed to be their friends. Um, and it's yeah, it's the second place where that mom script really comes into conflict with being successful in sales. If you look at any interaction, though, it's that ability, especially sales, but it's any interaction. It's that ability to sit in an uncomfortable conversation. Because the best part, you know, you're, there's going to be a moment in your sale where it's uncomfortable. You're moving somebody into a painful place. And you're going to resolve that pain. Uh -huh. You're moving them into a place of need. You know, if, if everything is great, they're not in, in need of your product or in need of your service. And I mean, just just thinking about in your personal relationships, you get to the deepest level after you've been through that uncomfortable moment and sat through it. Although most people are trained, don't ever just stay on the stay on the easy, calm, placid surface of things. Yeah. And, is there any more, like if I were talking to a young person now, which is great to be old enough to say young person, is there any more empowering career than sales? I mean, even if you're not full-time sales, it's like, you know, is there a, if there's an illness in the family, if you, if there's a, some purchase you want to make, you know, you can say, you can figure out how to go out and find the resources to make that happen. You can improve your life at any point from any position, which is I'd had that that was the best part of learning sales for me was I'd had that sort of fatalistic idea of, well, I'm kind of, 
I'm born with these skills and I can only rely on X amount of salary each year. And doing that, I can sort of plot out where my life's going to go. And, and I had some plans to travel. I had some plans to, you know, at the end of my life, maybe have a foundation that, that, that made things better for people. But I just, I'm not going to be able to do that on the salary I have. With sales, there is, no, I mean, there's none of that sort of restriction. You can wake up every morning and say, you know what, I have a goal to, you know what, if you're if you're a member of a church or a community group and they want to they want to rebuild or they want to put a little extra money into the community, and that's a big part of the job I have now is is outreach, community outreach. Well, we need to make sales in in the community I'm in. I say we need to fill the well. The deeper we fill that well, the more people can come and drink from it. Mm. And there's just, to me, there's just no more empowering sense than the ability that I can, I can contribute. I can fill this well and I can see the results of doing that. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm I, in control uh, of, I, of the outcome. I hear what you're saying. For me, even more than the income piece is just putting people in motion. I love yeah. to be able to get, you know, the definition of power is to be able to take action but even more to get others to take action. If you think about what we traditionally call a powerful person, right? So regardless of who it is, the president of the United States or the president of the company or the, the CEO of, a, of another company, right? Or, or the, the mayor or the governor, right? Well, well, how do you define their power? Well, their power is defined by how many people they can put in motion, how many people they can get to do something, right? And in sales, you've got a direct feed in basically being able to create motion in other people, get other people to realize, yeah, you need to shift from here to there. Because again, we all get comfortable with the yeah. status quo and we park in it because it's comfortable and growth out, occurs outside of your comfort zone. And that to me is the most rewarding aspect of sales is being able to move people, being able to get people to, you know, to take action on things. Yeah. Well, we've, you've coached with me. You've seen, I mean, that's all sales. That's yes. all convincing folks. Yep. And it's, we, you've seen some young men do things that, uh, they didn't okay, even know they wanted to do. We're going to need to define that a little bit more now because you just made that sound creepy. Uh, Corda and I coached yeah. football together at the seventh, eighth grade level, I think is what we were coaching at the time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, seventh, eighth grade, uh, uh, we, we coached. Uh, sorry, you made that sound weird, Corda, so I had to just clarify what you meant by that as soon as you, you went down that path so people understand. Oh, yeah. yeah we have, no, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. coaching sports. You know, sometimes we couldn't get, you know, sometimes guys did their push-ups in the huddle, but, you know, they still did their push-ups. <laughs> yeah. So that, in that case, you got that child to take action, which was to do push-ups. Unfortunately, you were not specific mm -hmm. about where the location of the action was supposed to be. And you didn't realize when you're told to do push-ups for not listening, we don't mean in the middle of the huddle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't mean uh, distract everybody else. Yeah. But. Um, and we all, and we, you know, we, we, uh, Davis, you have kids as well. So I, I mean, you know, there's an aspect of how, how often do you use the salesmanship thing around your around your kids to get them to move in the direction that you want them to move into? Well, it's I think I do a lot of coaching, right? So a lot of coaching with baseball. Um, and part of that just goes back to, to I can try and coach for correction. Right. Um, but when I do that, all that sounds like is, hey, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Right. I'm trying to tell someone to, to, to get something and, and alter their ways versus. Um, understand like, hey, do you want to get a better? Do you want to be a better baseball player this year? Do you want to throw harder or hit further or or just be a better balanced baseball player? Okay, if that's where you want to go, 
I'm going to try and find things to help you get there. If you see me say something, I'm doing that because there's an opportunity to, to teach you fundamentals so you can throw further or throw, throw more accurate or, or hit the ball harder. And if, if I can come at it from the approach of knowing what that kid wants, right, yeah. then all of a sudden my conversation with them is all about them and improving down their path versus me trying to improve upon a path that's been undefined. Yeah. No, that, that that's exactly right. And and so and this is a great actually it's a great uh jump to the other aspect of this coin, which is one of the words that I most often hear about salespeople when people are describing them is manipulative. Right? You guys are manipulative. You 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 make people do stuff. Again, true definition of power, moving people from one course of an action to another, right? Or from inaction to action. And and I, I always kind of like find that interesting because manipulation is I guess in most cases uh, conceived of in a negative, you know, connotation. And, but at the same time, you know, I manipulated my kid not to touch a hot oven when he was, you know, when he was six, right. I manipulated him to not ignore his work. I manipulated him to, you know, uh, well, I, you know, I, you, you manipulate your kids to take a shower, to go to bed, to do things that are healthy and good for them. And that manipulation is certainly not seen in a negative way, right? It, it, I never get people to go, man, would you stop manipulating your kid into being polite and respectful, right? So yeah. you, you don't hear that. So, so you know, the intent behind the manipulation um, is I think where, again, where the mindset has to be correctly to bring it back, you know, full loop to the concept of mindset here. You have to understand, yeah, you're manipulating people a little bit. You're twisting them. You're pulling on people's strings a little bit, but you're doing it with a good intent. And the intent is to get them out of pain. Now, there are salespeople out there who do it with the intent of getting a commission. But they typically yeah. don't last long and it typically doesn't – I mean, you know, it typically doesn't – I mean, it pays out in the short term. It absolutely does. Some people and, – and every profession, they're bad doctors, they're bad police officers, they're bad, you know, everything, right? They're bad teachers. But uh, inherently, that's people that are, you know, using the technique incorrectly. Um, the chiropractor manipulates my back, but I'm pretty happy he does, right? Because I, I feel a whole lot better when, when he does. The, the massage therapist m manipulates your muscles and your tendons and they do that in order to – relieve pain and, and, uh, increase health. So again, I think it's, it's tying into the mindset of understanding you're, you're darn right. I manipulate people. I manipulate people to get out of their own way and, and do things correctly. And that, that mindset's, uh, pretty crucial to, to sales success as well. It'll catch up to you if you don't have that. Well, and it, it goes to a deeper, I mean, it's beyond manipulation to a point, uh, a concept called enrollment, which is getting somebody to see the benefit in something to the, and then, getting it to the point where it's their own idea. Yeah. You, you, you know, pretty soon the, uh, you know, the, the child is going to be brushing their teeth, taking a shower just because they see the benefit in it. You know, the, the, there's been a pain point. You've already addressed it. It's, it's now their idea. I hope that's coming because he's 12 years old and I'm still working on that being a reflex. I hate to go into coaching again, but I, I coached with the, uh, with, uh, you, you know, I mean, it's funny because behind the scenes, you, you and I have had this conversation many times, and now we're putting it out for broadcast or yep. podcast. But uh, coached with um, the highest, uh, he's got the highest winning percentage in the state of Washington and just produces high, high, high level athletes and high level young men every year. And um, one of the greatest days of my career, sales, coaching, or otherwise, was when I spent two years trying to get him to change the, our approach to the kickoff. And two years into my career there, he presented my plan as his new plan, including to, to a group that included me. And, and that was like, that's just the greatest. Cause it's like, yeah, that's, you know, 
I don't mind that it's his idea and it started from me. It's yeah. Uh, well, you could do. I mean, you could do an entire. Uh, you could do an entire podcast series on just that concept, right? The concept yeah. of how do you work it into them, the sense of ownership that they have in the idea or the next steps yeah. or what they're doing. You, you certainly, you could get quite, you know, you could spend quite a bit of time talking about that because it's, it's absolutely a crucial element. But, you know, I, again, I heard somebody say recently, it starts in the parking lot, right? Sales doesn't start when you're in front of the client. It starts yeah. in the parking lot, right? And, and the parking lot for me is I'm parked in my car. I'm about to go in. How do I feel? Right. How do I feel about myself, my profession, what I'm doing, yeah. my product, all those elements, the mindset is correct. Um, and sometimes the perception that we have is inaccurate as well. Right. So, I mean, I have an, uh, I, I have another uh, story that I remember where I was sitting with a, a client and uh, I'd been calling on him for about three years. And I had been told on the way in, this is when I worked for a newspaper in the Seattle area. And I'd been told when I walked in, when I got handed that account, took over that territory, they're like, hey, just so you know, that one guy, he doesn't like like salespeople. He doesn't like ties. Don't go in there in a tie and suit, right? So he's on my route. And the first time I parked in front of his um, office, I took my tie off and I hung it on my rearview mirror in the car. And I went in there and over the course of two and a half years, I never wore a tie in front of him because I'd been told, you know, you don't wear a tie. So one day I'm sitting in front of him and <laughs> he uh, – he, we're talking about a bunch of stuff, and at this point, it's been three years, so we're pretty friendly. We get along pretty well, and uh, he looks at me, and he goes, uh, hey, you know what, Julian? We've been working long enough together. If you want, you don't need to take your tie off before you come in here. I didn't realize he could see me from his window, and he'd been watching me take my tie off and yeah. hang it around the mirror and then put it back on every single time I walked in there, right? So that perception, I didn't even, it didn't even work and not creating that perception because you saw me take it off. And yet, guess what? If you, you know, correct focus, correct mindset, you still, I still got through to him. It still turned into a, a beneficial account. Right. So there's one point I'd love to make about manipulating. And even that, that's kind of a, a, a sense of manipulation too. You can manipulate people into compliance. You can manipulate a client into signing, but are you, how you can't manipulate them into, um, into implementation. If you've, if you've manipulated somebody, as soon as they're gone, as soon as you're out of sight, you know, they're, they're misbehaving. They're not, if you're gone for a week, they're not showering. They're not brushing their teeth. If you have browbeaten and manipulated them into signing this thing, that's fine. You might get that initial commission, but they are never going to implement the, uh, the product or the service in any meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, it, it it's it's interesting the way you said it the the implementation phase right so it's it's they may pretend to go along but you you you've won you haven't won their hearts and minds and hence you haven't won them over right so yeah so. I I think that's one of the like I I think you know the the term manipulation is kind of a dirty word in sales yeah. Um, it's a and dirty word yeah it's a dirty word anywhere and there's there's salespeople that like yet they think that that's what their job is like I need to convince you to do something or I I need to you know, really, really put the screws to you in terms of, of urgency or the fear of missing out and using scare tactics to get you to buy, to manipulate, manipulate you into making a decision, right? Um, in this case, a positive decision. And I, that's just, that's a, a dangerous spot to be, right? And um, it just goes back to the, the same thing that we continue to talk about. If that's the approach going in, yeah, you're, you know, that salesperson can win some accounts, but they're not winning long-term relationships. They're not solving problems. They're not building value. Um, those are the folks that the salesperson would be afraid to call again in a week or a year uh, about a product that they sold because they convinced someone to buy something that they otherwise didn't need versus 
being thrilled to follow up with a customer based up of a solution that you provided and seeing if there's an opportunity to grow and expand that relationship in the future. Yep, definitely. Yeah, that whole sell me this pen approach. Right. That that's this this swinging from the hip. I can make you buy anything. That's that's not sales. So I mean, that's that's selling. You were the last one out of us. I mean, you, you were the one who la- the latest in life came into sales, right? I've, I've been selling since I've yeah. uh, been in my 20s. Well, I've talked to my parents. I've been selling since I was 12. But, um, <laughs> you know, at least on a paid professional level, I've been selling since I'm in, in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, but you came into sales kind of later on in your career. As you went through other careers and you were in different roles, how did you perceive salespeople? And most importantly, did you perceive a difference between salespeople who did it correctly and salespeople who didn't do it correctly? Or was that just... You know, you just had a different reaction, but you didn't know why. I'm just curious from the sort of, you know. Oh, no, I can, I can, I can tell you because I had a conversation when I was, uh, I had a long conversation with a couple of car salesmen one time. And it was like, I was a reporter, which is everything I'd wanted to be at that time. And, but I thought they were cheese balls and I called them cheese balls and (laughs) we were talking and it was, and, but yet I was looking at their life. I was jealous of their life. And I had this thought of, man, I could never do what you guys do to get to this point. And I mean, I don't know that they and, were. And what is that? Clarify. What is that? What is it that they are oh, that I mean, you perceive that they were doing that you thought to yourself I could never oh, I do just that? I thought they were manipulative. And, and we were in a bar setting, and I saw them being disingenuous in their interactions with women. And you know, I just thought they were cheaters and scoundrels, and you know, you know, cheese balls, uh, shooting from the hip, making yeah. any promise, and and then you know, heading out the door. But meanwhile, I worked with all kinds of actual salespeople who were great people. You know, I coached with them. I, you know, I worked out with them. I hung out with them, but I never really thought of them as sales. It was this weird, you've got this, you know, and I mean, it's, there's every, every profession has their, their sort of a negative avatar. You know, the coaching has the abusive yelling, screaming person and sales just has, to me, it's just the cheese ball. There's, there's no personality there. There's no integrity there. It's all about the sale. It's, you know, it's the, you know, they've got commission breath that that's sort of a thing and it's and you know you you feel there's a, a you're being used but so this you know go ahead uh, i was just gonna say this might be a, a good a good segue in terms of just kind of wrapping up the conversation around mindset so if that if that was your um outlook or your view on sales folks why on earth did you want to get in a career with that type of mindset oh, yeah. Jeez, I don't know. I still don't know. Somebody I sold, them, sold on me. I sold yeah. them on it. I sold them on it. must have sold me on it. No, it was, and the thing too is, we, we, I was, I was on the other side of that newspaper. There was, there was a a wall dividing. Yes. There was a great wall dividing. And not not, not a wall like Trump's building. A wall like the no. the Berlin Wall. You know, with like yeah, like powers and barbed wires and snipers. That kind of wall between yeah. the editorial and the advertising. Absolutely. The editorial yeah. advertising. Yeah. And and I was on the I was on the editorial side. And one day. Julian crossed the wall and said, uh, who is Steve Corda and why is he the only one writing in the newspaper this week? <laughs> and, and I just, and over the years of talking and getting to know, oh yeah, there's ways of, you know, these guys had the better life. These guys had the, the they had an approach. You, know, you just learn the approach. And I realized I was using sales all the time. I was getting people to tell me things they probably shouldn't have told me. And I was publishing it in the paper. And then I got into teaching and coaching and, you know, here I am teaching, you know, I'm selling poetry to guys that want to be in the NFL and the NBA and they're <laughs> winning poetry contests. And it just it, it was a long process of breaking it down and seeing that, oh, this is something that can be done with integrity. And, and, and yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thoughts. Sorry. 
total. Just, you know, and just that freedom of, I mean, I, I had this idea of I was an artistic type and I was going to be creative. And I mean, what's more creative than business than selling? You're out there selling and you're building a business. You're building jobs for people, you know? And I mean, getting back to a conversation we were having earlier, if, you're, if your name is Steve Wozniak, you'd better have a friend named Steve Jobs or else you're going to have a brilliant product that nobody knows about. Yeah, that nice, nice two Steves transition there. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the next Nicely Steve done. Right there. Nicely done. Hey, Davis, I'm curious about one thing because I'm married to a sales professional who got into it before me, who got better at it and who is still better at it than I will ever be. I'm, I'm good at teaching it, but I, I don't think I'll ever hit the, the, the level of sales skills that my wife does. You're not, you're married to someone who is not a salesperson, right? So is that, is that ever a conversation in terms of that perception that comes up at home? like in terms of how she perceives either what you're doing or her interactions with other salespeople? Um, no, not really. That's, okay. a, that's an interesting question. Um, clearly, clearly not a pre-planned one. We can, yeah, everybody will think this show is overly rehearsed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but, but I, uh, I just, you know, I think, it, I guess part of it is my approach to it. Like I don't, I, I don't think negatively of salespeople. I don't think negatively of people in that profession. I think it's, you know, it's, just, it's a job. It's a job that some people flock to uh, for a lot of uh, opportunity, you know, for, for freedom and for um, flexibility in terms of it's not the same thing day to day to day. And, and then for earning potential is a big one, right? You're For most sales folks, you're in an uncapped world. Um, and my approach to that is like, there's a, there's a lot of really good people in the, um, that, that have sales jobs. And, and maybe as a result, I, like, in our conversations, I, I view things that way. Um, but the flip side of that is like, I, I get annoyed by a lot of really bad salespeople. They, they bring, uh, they bring the profession a bad name. Yep. Um, it, it, they're, they're just, they're frustrating to talk to. You know, I had a, a phone call the other day that someone said, Hey, I, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just need to take 37 seconds of your time. And, uh, he gave a quick spiel and, and then just said, you know what? I, I want to know, like, what's keeping you up at night? Like, oh, come on, man. That was like one of the worst possible um, introductions they possibly could have with some, you know, goofy statement about 37 seconds with that. It was all about them with asking a question of what keeps me up. Like that's, um, you know, that's the type of person that you just don't want to engage with. And and those are the folks that, that give the profession a bad name. But OK, so uh, let, me dissect that, let me dissect that a little bit. Right. Not for this episode, but future episodes, because I actually don't mind the 37 seconds. I feel that's a, that's a pretty good time qualifier, actually. I may I may call your bluff and time you on it. So why why did it was it that piece or the what keeps you up at night question that, that both okay yeah both I, I think the thirty seven seconds I think that that's all all it is it's a gimmick to try and and uh, make me say okay well fine you could have thirty seven seconds but I, I think it's you know we we talk about qualifying for time yeah um, again different different episode yeah I think that's critical but doing so in a gimmicky way I think it starts. The conversation off on the wrong foot going back to the manip manipulative side yep. right it's a it's a manipulative tactic to, to get me to engage but i think on the wrong reason yeah and then you know to, to finish that up or to, to ask the question of what keeps you up at night um as a salesperson you need to know that answer before you ever ask it uh or you better have a good indication of like what what are the problems that your prospects are going to be facing and how do you get them to start talking about recognizing that they have those problems and committing to doing something about it versus asking, well, Julian, uh, what, what really, you know, what, in terms of, of your you know, swimming pool, uh, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. You know, like, what do you mean? My swimming pool's fine. Right. And, right. And, you know, 
go away. Well, actually, I mean, uh, what strikes me about that is I'm okay with the manipulation aspect of it, but not if it's not subtle. And the, the problem with both those questions, the way you just described them, is they're too obviously manipulative. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's going to set yeah. off defense mechanisms because it's not, it's not subtle enough. If they realize it's going on, if they realize the chess game is going on, then you know, it, the, the self-awareness thing actually, you know, kicks against you in that situation, right? The power of that kicks against you. So, yeah. um, and, and it's a, it's a good spot. And if you guys are comfortable, we can wrap up here. It's a good spot to, for me to just hit a, a fundamental concept, which is your prospects, you know, and this is where their defense and their attitudes towards salespeople generally comes from. Your prospects have three ultimate fears of salespeople. They have the fear of loss of time, right? So the first question they're asking themselves is, how long is this going to take when they're being called on by a salesperson? The yep. second one they're asking themselves is, how much is this going to cost me, right? The defense of money. And the third yep. one, and, and it's very subtle, but also very powerful. It's subtle to spot, but it's also very powerful is, how rude am I going to have to be to get rid of you, right? And, and, and when the obvious manipulation comes out, you're giving them license to be rude, right? We've all had prospects be rude with us, but uh, when when the obvious manipulation comes out, it also goes, man, this is gonna. I'm either gonna get manipulated out of time or money, my two most valuable resources, and hence all kinds of defense mechanisms pop up. So, um, so, so you know that that the, and and then they start blasting at us, and then eventually that that affects our mindset. So a great a great starting conversation on fundamentals. I enjoyed that that chat. It was interesting to get the the perspectives from you guys. Um, and, uh, for those of you listening, uh, if you, uh, if you want more episodes, please subscribe, uh, on that subscribe button. Uh, please pass on this episode or share it with other friends. If it's, uh, something that, uh, you, you found valuable. And, um, and if you, uh, want to, uh, track down some more fundamental concepts on the blog, it's on the website, salesfix with two X's.com slash blog, or just click on the blog section on the site. There's a whole bunch of uh, articles that you can read up there for free that explore some of these fundamental concepts, including this one, including the idea of just, you know, your mind's got to be right first and foremost as a fundamental um, tactic. With that, I'll leave it uh, last thoughts to uh, the two Steves here, if you guys have anything to chime on, and if not, we'll we'll ring off. Well, I'll jump in. Um, I, I'll come back to where we started with from a, a sales perspective. If you're a person in the industry, right, um, figure out can you stand behind your product unequivocally or do you have a best in class product? And if you do understand that you're out there solving a problem and if you can get behind figuring out that you can go have conversations about what does a, what's the need of a potential prospect? Do they have that need and does your product solve it? Then you're in a position that you have the opportunity to win. If you're in the, out there going in and trying to figure out um, what you need to do that day to get a sale and to um, trick someone into to making a purchase that they otherwise don't need, um, look out because this is not the right career for you and it probably won't be something that uh, that's successful for you in the long run. Yeah, excellent thought, Davis. Excellent thought. Love that. Gorda. Hey, if you're a person of integrity, you're going to be somebody who sells with integrity. And if you're a person who cares about outcomes for other people and building a community, sales is a great way to do that. And just just be aware of that and remind yourself of that every morning. And, you know, it, it's very much getting back to Julian's dating scenario. I don't think many of us, if we get rejected, go, you know what, this whole concept of dating is not for me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go kiss frogs now. I just, no, you, you have a sense of yourself and you just met somebody who's not a match with your sense of self. If you're a person of integrity, just go out and find, keep going until you find that match. And don't let anybody tell you that sales, don't let anybody be like me in my 20s and 30s and tell you that salespeople are cheese balls with no integrity. <laughs> there are cheese balls out there, just like there are in every single, yeah. 
every single career. But no, it's a it's a great way to serve your community, uh, serve your church if you have one, serve your family, serve your friends, and 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 serve the future. You're building you're building something if you're a person who sells with integrity. Yeah, excellent, excellent thought. It's about finding a fit. It's not about making a sale. If you're doing it right, that's your ultimate mindset. That's what you've got to go in with. Well, good conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sales Fix Podcast. Remember, subscribe, share, tell your friends. Let's all make the world a better place through our sales efforts because no matter what you sell, if you sell it from the right positioning, what you're doing is honorable and it's important. It's more important than you think. Have a great week, folks. Sell something.